Welcome, 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 all the wonderful beings that are tuning into the universe today. We are back with the second episode. Ah, welcome back, Eva Cristina. How are you doing today? Voila. Mm. How am I doing today? That's such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is super foggy. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> It is gray and things are pretty dark, but that's okay because we are entering the Scorpio season and things are bound to get a little dark and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, although sometimes it doesn't feel very nice, does it? No. I find it, I find it so cool how like we had a conversation yesterday and both of us just showed up being like, We're so fucked. We're so fucked. <laughs> This has been so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, we tried to come up with a structure of the flow. And at some point we realized, are we seriously trying to, are we seriously trying to do that? Uh, but I think this is a beautiful intro in today's topic for a Scorpio season. All things uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, Finally, <laughs> we had this wonderful summer. Things were open. There was sun. We could focus on the external. And now it's time to get really deep into everything we don't want to see in ourselves. Mm. What a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, but you know, in the first episode of this seasonal explorations podcast, welcome, welcome, we discussed balance um, as the main topic of the Libra season. And so with all this life emerging, like you said, in the summer, it has to come down to the other end of the scales, the spectrum, welcoming the season of death and dying. Ah, oh, it actually feels pretty soothing or natural. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is soothing and it's natural. And one of the biggest things that I learned through exploring Ayurveda was, and it's so intuitive, but was this understanding that life mm. happens in cycles. Mm. Nature happens in cycles, right? We have cycles of life and death in a human life. We have a cycle of sun rising and sun setting every day. We have seasons, spring, summer, fall and winter. And when you think about it, every cycle starts with a beginning, mm. goes into emerging, into spring, into birthing. Then it enters maturation and then comes closure, which again devolves into death. Death at the same time also manifests a new beginning. And this is what the season is all about. We can see it outside. Nature is starting to die or go, or, or it's going to sleep. And it's such a natural and beautiful part of life. And when we know how to work with it, I think we can get so much out of it. We can learn so much from it. And I think this is what, this is what the Scorpio season is going to be all about. And this is what today's episode is going to be all about. Yes, baby. Oh, so beautiful. You're gonna get this, Explorations, from 
two Scorpio rising, which have... Oh, yeah. yeah. And we both have our Mars, which is one of the rulers of Scorpio on our ascendance. So it makes it even stronger. And then add king of the subconscious, the underworld, Pluto in our first house. Baby, it's a season of death indeed. <laughs> Let's dive right into it. So the main topic of today of the Scorpio season is about death and shadows. Mm. And just to put a little disclaimer, even though we are exploring the astrological seasons, it is so important to acknowledge that we are not just our sun sign or one of the big three of the moon and the ascendant, but our energetic blueprint is represented by the astrological chart, the wheel. And so we have all of the qualities, all of the archetypes that are represented there. Just that some might be more mm, expressed and certain are more in the shadows. which is where Scorpio rules. And this is so cool because we're going to we're going to learn about this specific thing how suppressing parts of ourselves is really mm. at the core of so much pain we're experiencing. Mm. Right? And this is this is such a wonderful thing to keep in mind mm. when we're exploring this specific topic is your everything, you're holding all the characteristics, mm. all the properties, all the different expressions of life within you and we all do yeah and so interesting how i feel like scorpio is one of the most misunderstood signs in astrology because everyone's like oh scorpio is intense and mysterious and oh but the truth is exactly that scorpio reflects to us that which we are afraid of <laughs> For those who want to dive even deeper into it, I would like to invite you to maybe pull out your charts and see where Scorpio falls in your astrological wheel uh, to get a finer taste of where does your power of subconscious lies. Uh, but traditionally, Scorpio rules the eighth house of the zodiac wheel. The eighth house is represented as what you said at the beginning by the cycle of death and birth. And it's so interesting interesting how in most of the occult sciences, death and birth have equal importance. And what they represent at its essence is just transformation. And so even with the archetypes, Scorpio, what has different expressions like every sign has more of the lighter and the more shadowy expression again (laughs) and scorpio kind of shows the involvement from the scorpion which is the smallest animal of the zodiac that goes into the holes and sneaks and hides where the mysterious component of the scorpion archetype comes from that which can go where not many can, the depths of the Scorpio. But then it evolves through the imagery, the symbolism of the phoenix, the one that has to burn down and then rise from the ashes, that then becomes an eagle, one which has a higher, wider perception, that of true alchemy and higher wisdom, deeper wisdom, the wisdom from within. Um, 
such a beautiful evolution that is represented in these archetypes. Mm. I love it. And, you know, I really love this aspect that I think is present in really any spiritual practice you're going to be doing or philosophy that this sometimes, well, always uncomfortable and sometimes painful transformation is absolutely necessary to reach the next level. It's evolution mm. of our personality, our ego, which is really all about coming closer to yourself. Mm. And that's, I think, the beauty of it, that then you can rise as a completely new expression, which is wiser, more compassionate, and has a greater clarity. Mm-hmm. But before we go into the rising part, let's die a little more, yeah? Let's go in. <laughs> because death, right? Death is such a central part of our human experience. And yet we fear it so much. Mm. Death is the ultimate fear. So many philosophies teach us that, how it is at the core of oh, most of our insecurities and what blocks us in life. And at its core, I see it as the fear of unknown. We are not 100% scientifically sure what happens when we die. Oh, we have no idea. <laughs> like, nah, not even close, right? Like, that's one thing that I think... <laughs> scientists hate to even discuss it because there's no way to start answering it with the current methodology Mm. so absolutely it's all about the fear of fear of the unknown and if there's something that science does teach us on the other hand though right especially neuroscience is that there's nothing that our brains hate more (laughs) than not knowing what's happening Mm. right we're gonna run back to the familiar even if it's not even good Mm. for us even if it's bad because we know it it's more comfortable than an alternative that is unknown. And I think this is such an important thing to understand here when we're diving into the Scorpio archetype. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's also so interesting to me how, you know, we see death as this abstract thing, which is so deeply present in our everyday life. But even in cycles that you were mentioning before, for example, the moon cycle, the menstruation cycle that women go through or the female bodies go through, let's say, um, where each cycle is a little death, each orgasm as the little death, right? And even like each time we go to sleep, where do we go? I mean, technically we know our body is there, but it is some kind of dying at the end where we go into the unknown realms, right? That That is the transformation uh, that is at the core here. But yeah, because we don't know what it is and our our mind is terrified of that, like you said. We tend to try to control it. That's what it all comes down to, right? With Scorpio, it's this need to control. So what do you, you know, let's break control down a little bit more. What is what is control to you? You know, how do you understand control? Why do we have this need to control? Mm. Well, to me... Uh, what it comes down to is lack of trust. Mm. Lack of trust. For me, control is one of the big trauma responses even. Mm. For example, I know that I have perfectionistic tendencies, which comes from like that feeling of unsafety. We were taught how the world is a, not a safe 
place to be, right? Be careful of that. Be careful mm. of that. Don't do that. Even that religious notion of the good and bad that got imprinted into us for centuries now, yeah. um, where we just fear that which is unknown, hidden, that which we consider to be the other, not us, the separation that happened. Yeah. This is also represented by the, one of the rulers of Scorpio, that is Pluto, which rules the unconscious. Um, in modern astrology, we like to call Pluto the divine unconscious. Mm. But in reality, it represents the other. All of that which we reject as us, that we go, oh, but no, not me. I'm not like that. <laughs> we are not like that. I could never do something like that, right? Everything that we disown. Yeah. And so we try to control our conscious. So to not dip our toes into that which is bad, because that would make us wrong. And that would mean that, right, in coming back to the religious notion, we would get punished. We would go to hell. I mean, I don't know. I hear it's pretty hot down there, but <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't want to go? But, you know, we're different, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We still don't know. And so better be careful, better stop ourselves from doing something that we might potentially be disowned by, rejected mm. for. Um, the fear of rejection that lies in there. God, this fear of rejection is the more I look at my own patterns and the patterns of people around me, I'm realizing how much it all comes down to the fear of rejection. And it makes perfect sense, right? Because if you look even from a completely biological perspective, the fear of rejection in human history meant death, right? If you were exiled, yes. you died. And so this is so deeply ingrained in us that we need to be accepted. We need to be loved. We need to belong. And we are going to do pretty much anything for this acceptance and belonging. However, that can lead to some problematic things mm. if people that we try to please with our behavior um, have issues with who we actually are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like we already kind of pointed towards that is death is not only biological, but the biggest death we fear is the ego death. And that has its roots, I think, in the fear of rejection, right? Yes. The death, yes. the dying that comes from feeling abandoned, be feeling humiliated and embarrassed, you know, the social death of, oh, what if I say something wrong and they start disowning us? Yes. Um, and we'll dive more deeply into that and dissect it in a bit. But just, um, yeah how then we turn towards control and the coping mechanisms, right? In order to yeah. try to control that which is actually out of our control. <laughs> yeah, and, and if we also try, we start, and this is going to come up again later on, right? But we start controlling ourselves. We try to control our image, how we portray ourselves to the world, because certain <laughs> things are acceptable and certain things are not acceptable. Yeah. So let's just name it for what it is. What is it? It's shadow. The shadow. It's our shadow. That juicy word. <laughs> In the shadows we play. In the shadows we live. Ah. 
the shadow is where the kinky things happen. And as Scorpios, you know, we love it kinky. <laughs> so this is what this is what we're going to be about talking about today. I think we're already there, baby. <laughs> I think we're already there. Mm. Okay. Do you want to break it down for us a little bit more? What is shadow? We talked a little bit about it, but really just to kind of set a really nice definition and container from which you can then work later on. What is shadow? How does it happen in the first place? Why does it manifest and how, do, how does it get expressed? Mm, yeah. Oh, shadow. <laughs> so... The way that my understanding of shadow has been the most anchored and put in very understandable, simplistic terms is through the work of Lacey Phillips, um, that is to be magnetic. Um, I've been doing her pathway membership and um, loving it. It is all about that subconscious reprogramming the NLP, which is how Mm, we can get to the roots of those shadows. But before we break it down, I also just want to bring this important aspect, I think, of when we start exploring shadow, what is the intention that we're bringing in? Mm. So that it is not only to get rid of it, because that is, again, perpetuating the shadow, trying seeing it as wrong, as something that we shouldn't be having, but actually it is a part of the human experience and human life. Yes, this is what this duality of life teaches us, how everything comes in polarities. This is what even in astrology, we have the axis, right? It is 12 signs, 12 houses, they all have the opposites. And so the shadow is integral part of our human experience. And so that parts of us that we feel ashamed of, guilty for, parts of us that we judge as wrong or bad, aspects of our personalities, our emotional relating that we have repressed through painful experiences where others have perhaps told us that we're too much. So basically anything, Parts of us where we feel like are unlovable or unworthy. Shadow sneaks in on us when we feel like we are hard to love. Just because we are going through a very basic, essential human experience. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. How do you experience shadow? Yeah, it's the part of ourselves we repressed. To me, really shadow, what it means is separation from oneself. We separate parts of ourselves and suppress them and push them down because at some point in our lives, we were either implicitly or explicitly shown that they were not acceptable. And I really want to point out here that those can be you know, so-called bad and good parts. So it's not just a lot of people associate shadow with qualities that are, you know, quote unquote bad in us, right? So things that, you know, we kind of generally agree that they're not the nicest to show. So maybe being super impulsive or aggressive or so on. The shouldn'ts, right? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, 
should this shouldn't is a is a very dangerous <laughs> word i would say the more the more i see how it's being used especially when we talk to ourselves the more i'm like oh we should get rid of shoulds yeah but it can shadow can also be good things we push mm. down right so for example expressing ourselves in a way to mem- maybe you know say things that we did well which can show up as not being able to receive compliments right this can also be things we push down into our shadow yeah so how would you say we can most easily recognize when the shadows have come to play? Mm. I think the one simplest thing is to look at triggers, quote unquote. Oh, triggers! So, oh man, love triggers. <laughs> triggers are one of those things that people hate, right? Like we have this expression mm-hmm. today, which is like, I'm being triggered by, and honestly, like today it looks like people get triggered by just about anything. And I I heard such a good quote from uh, Gabor Mate. Uh-huh. Do you know him? Of course. Of course. Just just got to check. Daddy. Gotta check. <laughs> I know. Trauma work, right? But for those of you who don't know him, he's just a trauma specialist. He wrote a phenomenal book, which is called When Body Says No. And recently he mm-hmm. released a documentary, The Wisdom of Trauma. And just in general, he's like... He, He's just a phenomenal daddy. Dude. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. I am not sorry. Let's own the shadows. Exactly. Yeah. Let's own the shadows. Um, but he said, in, in the context of triggers, you know, if you look at the gun, right, a trigger is a very, very small part of it. And if the gun is empty, pressing the trigger is going to do nothing. Ooh. Right? Only if the gun is full of explosives triggering it will actually cause a problem so the question is not why the triggers the question is why are we so full of explosives and this is what shadow is trigger shows you where shadow is trigger shows you the explosive parts so the parts of yourself that when you hear something there's a part of you that's like whoa like this should not be allowed oh i love that Yeah, Um, how, yeah, triggers are not these enemies, but actually they're our friends. I like to say that, I like to see triggers as arrows pointing back to us. Like that uh, internal emotional GPS pointing at what needs to be addressed. Yes. Triggers as elevated emotional reactions, letting us know where there is lack, shame, or insecurity. And again, not something to shoot at, (laughs) but basically to come forth. But in a a very kind of experiential way, how to also recognize, like even how to recognize you've been triggered. Besides of that, having a, a more intense emotional reaction, how do you see it expressing what kind of emotional reactions? I would say this really depends. Sometimes it can be straight up a lot of anger, Mm. um, very strong negative emotions. Mm. So you see that something does some, like, I don't know, does whatever it may be. And you feel triggered by whatever that person performed. Sometimes it can be jealousy. Sometimes it could be negating things. Sometimes it can be just straight up Mm. anger. Um, Let me, for example, I I will give an example of something I observed this really triggered shadow in, 
in the context of like my work and what I do. So I work as a scientist and the funny thing about scientists is that they really like being right. And <laughs> no. they like to what? Right. Who who would have thought? They've made a whole religion out of it. I they mean. oh totally, totally. I, I've been saying for years that science has become a new religion. We, we can talk more about it at some other point. I have so much to say there. Mm. It's Sagittarius season about religion. Oh, oh, great. I'm excited for that. <laughs> But um, uh-huh. so, for example, what, one of the big shadows that happens with people who are in science, and I don't think it's limited, it's definitely not limited just to scientists. I think it, everybody who's gone through our educational system has experienced that. But it's this fear of saying or asking something stupid that you're supposed to know. You know, like even in school, like, You, it's it's incredible to me seeing young kids even at the age of seven and eight who are already scared of raising their hand and asking something that they would be bullied for so yeah. this is like a super you know i have that shadow i've been flirting with it for a long time so i know it's there but i don't think i've met well apart from one guy which i'm going to talk about i think i haven't met a single person who wouldn't have that and so I worked then a couple of months ago for about a year, I worked with a student who was, he was a master student, right? So he was like yeah. um, younger than us, not that experienced as the rest of the people in the lab, but a very, very talented guy, like did phenomenal work. And mm. he didn't have that shadow. And so he would rock up to a meeting and he would raise his hand and actually ask a very basic question, you know, when, Yeah, like many people would say even like you're supposed to know that or whatever, mm. right? Despite the fact, I really believe in there's no stupid questions. Like if you didn't know a piece of information, well, now you know it because you asked, right? Mm. But he would ask that question and you could see like the wheels turning and the facial expressions on other people's faces, right? Mm. And the first couple of times it happened, I had that bit of a response was almost like, you know, your stomach shrinking a bit. You almost feel embarrassed, Oh. right like it's like you feel embarrassed you didn't even ask a question mm-hmm. right and you're like whoa like how and and there's this mixture in me there was a mixture of kind of like embarrassment but also admiration for being like mm-hmm. how can you just ask this question so without any sort of issue around it and to me it happened the first two times and I was like wow I have a shadow around it right and this guy doesn't and i could see everybody else in the room as well they were kind of like their facial expressions were like <laughs> what kind of question is this right like how can you ask this and this to me is a wonderful representation of shadow yeah. so many people who suppressed this part of them that is quote unquote uneducated quote unquote stupid quote unquote doesn't know enough mm. That's shadow. They're And it will evoke enough. some sort of an emotional ex- Not it. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, I think most of the time it boils down to that, yeah. right? The unworthiness, the feelings of unworthiness. And I think you brought some key points here also around judgment, right? When we catch ourselves judging others or when we feel judged by others. Um, that yes. is one of important indicators as well. And just how, you know, this triggers... Um, You know, there is this, 
this quote that I really like uh, that says, the world is a giant mirror reflecting us back to us. Yes. Uh, in a way that, you know, when I will get triggered by you, it doesn't necessarily say anything about you, but it just points that, like we said, pointers back. There is a shadow within me that I am not owning a part of myself and deeming is as wrong or not good enough, right? Yeah, so exactly. that is at the core of it. Mm. Yeah. And just to, I, I really like these um, examples of the shadows, to maybe break it down on different types of shadows because there are many and we're not going to be able to cover all of them. Um, but for example, one of the personal shadows, that which is directly correlated to how we perceive ourselves and our personalities, even the masks, the social masks that we wear and put on. This is something that in astrology we can uh, observe through the first house especially. I mean, there are many points, but the first house will speak more of that impression that we make on others, uh, how others will see us, that judgment <laughs> aspect. And for example, for me, as a very strong uh, Scorpio-represented person, <laughs> um, it has always been around intensity or that fear of being too much. For example, I was a very expressive kid. And not only was I expressive, I was very emotional. The depth of the Scorpio that wants to feel things. Uh, a, very vulnerable and honest about it, very direct, yeah? This is also a trait of the Scorpio, that directness. It is calling us to, hey, nothing to hide, <laughs> show yourself. Uh, but so interesting how it became a stereotype for Scorpios that they suppress those emotions mm. and keep them hidden. And again, it is a giant mirror to the society that, hey, this is where we have come from. To, what we have come to right yeah. but okay so <laughs> the intensity um, that other people were not comfortable with that depth or the expression of the emotions whether it was sadness or anger or assertiveness in a way as well having a strong Mars in your chart would indicate that you know what you want and you are comfortable to go for it and in a society that has thought us that we have to please others and obey the social norms and rules that is not a very um, desirable trait and so you get called selfish etc and what happens is that in order to not be too much and too intense under which i have to say i discovered light the fear of not being good enough and so it was almost more comfortable to be seen as too much <laughs> um, but yeah we then keep ourselves small we go against our natural expression which just brings more tension and from that the anxiety arises right depression mental illnesses all of the symptoms of yeah those repressed aspects of ourselves or our society that have manifested as this huge clutters of fog and tension and pain. Yeah. I, first of all, totally resonate as a fellow Scorpio rising with everything you said, right? Hi. Same as a child, super expressive, super emotional. <laughs> but I 
grew up also in a family where there's like a long-standing emotional suppression problem, right? And it crosses generations. And um, it's, mm. I, I think that's something we see a lot these days is really, really kind of what you said before that I think because of the society as well that is so focused on the mental faculties, less so on the emotions, most of us really struggle with holding space for emotional expression. Mm. So I, I think you can see all the time, let's like even with young kids, is that they may start crying or, you know, crying, I think is a typical one. A child will start crying. They will get really upset. What's the first thing that the caretaker says? Stop crying. Stop crying. Right. I mean, Which even is- imagine, I'm sorry, but like what happens, there is a baby, a baby is crying. What do we do? We shake the baby and go, shh, 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 stop crying, stop crying at the age of what, a day or two? Yeah, immediately, <laughs> right? It, it, and that's crazy because, and we have such a poor understanding still of what emotions even are, what feelings even mm. are. I mean, my lab studies that, right? Literally, the, the name of my department is Circuits for Emotion. Let wow. me tell you, we don't understand them. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. And because of that, we don't know how to deal with them. And ex- emotions at a very big level are, to me, just an expression of energy, right? It's a getting some sort of energy out. Yeah. It's a release. And it can be laughter. It can be crying. It can be anger. And if we don't let those emotions come out if we teach kids really early on that you know we don't want them to express especially those negative emotions we're gonna start suppressing those parts of ourselves which then yes i had the same message like i'm, I'm seeing it over and over again you're too much you're too loud you're too expressive um which is and then you will be rejected exactly exactly yeah, and so you better not if you want to be a part of the society exactly and so we push it down. And like you said before, you know, like running through your family, that generational pain. Exactly. There is a marvelous book that I always recommend. It is by Mark Wallen, I, I believe. It's called It Didn't Start With You. How the, this pain gets transferred through the DNA, in like through epigenetics. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Which is just a whole another topic. It's so fascinating, though, like I'm just for those of you who don't know what epigenetics is, so we don't throw around just terms that are really out there. Go scientists! (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So it's basically your DNA can be, you know, your DNA has a basic structure, which has basically four specific molecular compounds or like amino acids, which will form um, the, the whole DNA and the sequence of these bases will determine how the genes then later on are expressed, as we call it, and how they build your body. And epigenetics is not modifying this very basic DNA blueprint, but there are mechanisms on top of your DNA where addition and changing certain molecular groups and chemical groups on top of the DNA can shift which of these genes will show up in your physiology So which will end up making proteins that form all of your body and which ones won't. And this signature, which is called epigenetics, which means epis above, right? So on top of your genes can get transferred down the generations. And we know there are scientific studies where you can, let's say, 
teach a mother let's we, that was done in rats that they Aww. associate a certain smell with a foot shock yeah it's quite horrible but they learned to associate a certain smell with a foot shock and seven generations down their pups yeah. will still associate this smell with pain despite the fact they never received the foot shock mm. so this is generations and generations and generations of trauma which then form all of these layers and trauma really mm. is what leads to shadow right yeah. so it's really important to understand it may not be yours yeah it may not be yours i am dealing personally with some things around very difficult um experiences around sexuality mm. where my body is like rejecting that deeply like there's so much pain coming with it and i am not aware of anything that happened no. to me as a baby but i know that there are problems with that that transcend generations and generations and generations mm. and god knows how far back that goes so it's an important thing to keep in mind that things may not be your own and yet you are the only one who can fix them <laughs> yeah it is still our responsibility to take care of ourselves right yeah, exactly um but thank you so much for speaking to that because you know around sexuality th this comes with a religious shadow um, mm. that we already kind of tapped into before a little bit uh that really historically systematically shamed uh sex sexuality and so this is also an area that we as a society don't feel that comfortable expressing uh on the outside out loud so thank you for bringing that up how much of shame there is and pain around our sexual expression which is one of the most primal expressions and yet we get to shame we get to be shamed at a core Yeah. The the life force of ours gets to be shamed and seen as sinful. Yeah. Yeah. And like for so many centuries, you know, religion has this the flesh is sinful sort of mm. thing, right? Like our bodies which are this beautiful manifestation of divine in this 3D form the church was teaching people that there's something wrong with them right that you shouldn't focus on them that pleasure mm. is bad oh yeah but thank god for sexy scorpios that come here with a torch of fire to spread sp spread more awareness on the sexuality and all of the taboo topics god bless all the scorpios are there by that i mean everyone because we all have this traits in us but i also want to bring the the concept of the feminine uh the feminine mm. principle that is seen as that unconscious right with that will fall here into that rejected repressed it's also something we've seen um yeah a lot throughout the history and the existence of this society as we know it Uh, and then the masculine end that is more of that expressed right the externally expressed principle and just how much especially in the female sexuality has been hmm i don't even know what would the the right word be but cut off cut off mm. from the pleasure because they know very well that pleasure is godly and so fucking powerful it is that divine life force that comes through sexuality 
Um, so these are definitely realms of the scorpion themes as well. Also when it comes to deep intimacy, because through pleasure, we, I believe, come into that deep intimacy with ourselves even. Mm. And through that, once we are able to hold our intensity, our pain, and on the other spectrum of that pain, our pleasure, this is where we become whole and integrated. When we do not cut off certain parts of ourselves to fit certain norms, oh, but we breathe into it and welcome it all. And this is why Scorpio is also related to the question of power, right? This is the Whoa. Pluto, Pluto, one of the rulers that uh, is the hidden power. Sometimes even consider the power struggle. Why the struggle? Well, because we, <laughs> we are uh, wrongfully, I think, considering power exchanging power for control mm. the real power is not in control the real power is in unconditional love and full acceptance of what is of that deep embrace and integration of these shadowy parts because you know how the saying goes what we don't own owns us <laughs> and it is yeah. in owning that full spectrum where that true inner power blooms. Yeah. And it's, it's at the end, it's again, there is power in being who we authentically are, <sighs> which is integrating shadow all about. This was, uh, this, this is another thing that is tying back to your saying, you were saying before, you know, the, the mental health disorders and repressing things. And I, you know, one of the main reasons why I decided to go into neuroscience was to study mental health disorders. I was very interested mm. in why this happens. Four years later, I still didn't understand anything about that. <laughs> and not from my university degree. Um, but then I had a very powerful experience with plant medicine, with ayahuasca, Arie! which showed me, yeah, which showed me this deep interconnectedness with everything around us mm. and this deep connection within me like this true deep authentic self mm. and from there came this understanding that mental health disorders are a condition of disconnect mm -hmm. and we have cut off and suppressed parts of ourselves and because of that as within so without as above so below we feel separated from the rest of everything else, right? From other yeah. people, from society, because we have to put on this mask. We have to pretend we're someone else. We don't feel like we can mm -hmm. show ourselves for who, we'll, who we truly are. And the reality is our life is all about coming back to ourselves, mm -hmm. our, our unique, authentic wholeness, mm -hmm and then reconnected with the greater whole around us. And I think this is so beautiful because one, one thing that I remember you saying about Scorpio is the Scorpio is all about merging. Yeah. And here comes this aspect of merging yeah. all the parts of us and being deeply seated mm -hmm. in our own sense of worth. And I think this is because, you know, the separation that is caused by trauma leads to so, such a rise in mental health disorders we see and we all know trauma is correlated with them yeah. so this is 
again shadow work is what it comes down to when we're looking at these things oh the sweet embrace of death and darkness (laughs) only a scorpio would say that (laughs) (laughs) you know it um oh we're gonna get even juicier than that but what i also what it also brought up to me when you were saying that going back to pluto um how pluto the point where Pluto is in our chart usually indicates the point where we have the greatest power to influence others. And since Pluto, like I said before, is seen as the other, that which we deem as not us, this is why it's so it's a power point. Because once we are able to embrace that which we were thought is not us, this is where that beautiful power truly arises. And the thing is that we are afraid of the dark just because we don't or maybe won't see it. And this is what Scorpio teaches us. Scorpio is not afraid to go to the depths. And sometimes those are the depths that not everyone is capable of going to. But what this process teaches us or unravels is how much gold can be found in those dark places. Once we get the courage to let the light shine into those dark corners, how much sparks arises from there? How many of our gifts and talents that others have told us that are not good enough or are not acceptable or will not be successful and worthy lie in those shadows? How many repressed desires, those pieces of us that truly make us who we are that allow us to live that fulfilled happy pleasurable enjoyable full on fuck yes life (laughs) yeah oh god and you know here mm, it really comes down to that it it is not easy to go down those places like we know that scorpion energy very well and even we struggle like right now both of us are in that in that state um where well it is painful and i believe pain is a human condition however suffering is not suffering is a choice and how easy it is to sometimes stay in the shadows because they become our comfort zones because we get used to them right how sometimes even though it's scary Mm. to go and do the shadow work la 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 it is sometimes that is because it is much scarier to acknowledge that there is freedom and so many possibilities like having so much choice it is terrifying (laughs) it is terrifying it takes a lot of effort (laughs) But, I, you know, sometimes it is just about not trying to control, but surrender. And since you mentioned your ayahuasca experience, I got to mention mine too. But just that yeah. one piece of it. <laughs> we could do a whole other episode on that. I love those stories. Um, so juicy. But what happened, because of course, the control freak that I sometimes am or the tendencies that I have of course I did the research on ayahuasca before I went to do my first ceremony and I read about 
how so many people had these dark, terrifying, painful experiences, right? I was like, that's it. I'm going to have one. However, mm. being a good Scorpio as I am, <laughs> Scorpio rising, that is, I also recognize how much I love the pain. How on one hand, you know, having those low self-worth um, beliefs running through sometimes how that victimhood has become one of the comfort zones and then just reinforcing those beliefs how well you know this is my reality and so mm. we keep creating recreating those experiences that are gonna confirm our subconscious beliefs so on one hand I was like Right, let's get to it. I was kind of excited to go down that road for it to get creepy and painful. Yeah. And so when during the ceremony, which was marvelous, by the way, like truly ass-kicking experience, yeah. there was a part when the music started to get deeper and gloomier. It was like there was a poison mixing in a pot and it just started to go like whoom, whoom, whoom. And I was like... All right, fellas, buckle up. I am going. I would just, Mama Ayahuasca, I surrender to the will of the universe. Let me, like, I am willing to go through whatever you think I need to go through. I am in for it. And as I truly, deeply surrendered with each part of my being, the music just started to go like, and the party went on and the the heaviness got lifted just as I was willing to shine the light as I was willing to go through that process as I gave it a permission to express and this is at the core of shadow work that we stop hiding and running away because there's nowhere to run <laughs> uh, but only to embrace and be with it beautiful i love this story that's so beautiful mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah but you know another aspect of the shadow work is the belief how it is yucky and tough and dragging but i don't think it always has to be it is again about our mindset yeah and so i am actually all about what i call sensual shadow play uh, I, I even have a masterclass on it if uh, and it's still uh, available for a replay if someone wants to come and play in the shadows with me but the sensual part is connected to the feelings to the five senses even the somatics of it how important it is to just give it expression feel it in the body this is how we take it from the underworld the subconscious into a more tangible experience so it becomes less unknown therefore less terrifying and so the playful side of it is actually a part of it i think i mean it's something that has lived in me since a long time um, it's so interesting because I, I move through the realms of energetics more, how often I'm going to have a concept known to me on an energetic level and then someone comes and puts a name to it and I'm like, oh, this is that. Um, 
And so what I really love is what really kind of infused that playfulness into the shadow work for me was also reading the book Existential King by Carolyn Elliott. I so recommend it to everyone. Everyone. Oh, it's so good. What she is saying there is just revealing that it. it she goes from the Freudian perspective mm. is where she's infusing it. And um, Jung also influenced her work. Uh, how how we actually love our misery. Mm. And this can be highly triggering to many people. But just, just think about it, right? One aspect, what I was saying before of confirming our subconscious beliefs which is like we are right we are not wrong therefore mm, we are okay we'll not be punished but we will keep punishing ourselves mm -hmm. <laughs> if the the world will not and then the other part is also the subconscious needs and desires that lie yeah underneath the shadow and she gives this beautiful example of uh, this client of hers, I believe, who was broke and he was miserable that he was broke. He could not start making more money. And then once they, they dive deeper into it, they realize that he loves being broke because underneath that, he wants someone to take care of him. And so if I keep being broke... Someone will have to come and rescue me and support me and take care of me. And if no one does, that then confirms my subconscious belief that I'm unworthy or that I don't deserve this. And once we know what is that hidden unconscious desire after all of the horrible bad things that are happening to us, oh, there is the key to that deeper liberation. Mm. I, I love this. I think you also, with this example, gave such a beautiful example of pushing something good into the shadow as well, right? Um, mm. What came to my mind was another, just like such a, um, this, I was very broke as a student <laughs> and I was hanging out with people who are also very broke. And what I noticed mm. is that quite a lot of these people, they were coming from so I was studying in in England, in London, and I had quite a few people mm -hmm. around me who were coming from more northern parts that tend to be poorer. And there was this deep hatred and judgment towards people who had money. And yeah. those people would create situations that would keep them broke because for them being broke also meant being accepted. Exactly. And again, this underlying desire here was to be accepted. To belong to be loved, to belong, exactly. Yeah. And this is how we create the really unfortunate situations for us because we mm. don't tap into the deeper desire behind what we really, what we think we want. But then you realize mm. that the end is like, actually, I don't want to be broke. Why would anyone want to be broke, right? And I don't hate <sighs> people who are rich. I'm just doing that because it protects me and makes me a bigger part of the community within which yeah. I was raised. Yeah. And that is also when we don't make shadow our enemy, yeah. right? But we actually don't see our shadows as monsters, mm. just little children that want to be loved and protected.
Yes. I see this often happens when, and I'm talking for a friend. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> when we got when we get into a relationship, especially if we've been like singer for a longer time, and then we get into a loving, committed relationship, and we feel loved and seem like we haven't been seen and loved before. And all of these shadowy parts start rushing out all of a sudden to be loved, embraced, accepted, welcomed as well. And it just becomes overwhelming because we've been running away from them our whole lives. Um, Yeah, and then we're not equipped on how to truly be with that, to hold space for that expression. But I truly think that, you know, our ability to hold pain is our ability to hold love. Yeah. Um, if, yeah. If we're not able to hold our fears, we are, are we truly able to hold our desires and our highest potential? Yeah. It is about holding the opposites. It's what astrology teaches us too, to gain balance, right? There are the axes. Yeah. And so even though the Scorpio will go super deep and low and explore all of that underground tunnels, on the other side, we're going to have Taurus, which is going to remind us about the sensuality. This is what yeah. it's a sensual shadow play, incorporating somatics and to stay grounded, to simplify it, to make it practical as well, to not only dwell in these deep rivers of our subconsciousness but actually use that water to yeah water our nourish our gardens (laughs) to bloom and grow (laughs) (laughs) and i love this you know i i want to really bring this to i think i think we're we're nearing the end part and i want to before we go into the practice for today yeah i want to just bring it really like you know kind of grounded a little bit more I really you know what I do um, with helping people change their lifestyles to work for them rather than against them really the main intention behind it is always how can we start moving into a more evolved more conscious more aware world and I see a big part of that having enough people who have done the shadow work so that they can hold the space for themselves and they can hold the space for others. Because imagine the world in which we are allowed to express ourselves for who we authentically Mm -hmm. are without judgment. Envisioning. (laughs) Exactly. Right? Just imagine that. I I want to correct myself a little. Not envisioning it, but living it. Living it. (laughs) Yeah? Bringing that into the now. Yeah, And also dismantling that the shadow work is that oh, really tough work where we need to, you know, go into seclusion and isolation to do this work. No, 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 no. It's just how we keep showing up every day, every second, every breath for ourselves. This is where it starts, right? Yeah. How can we be more loving, embracing and accepting towards ourselves? And that allows us to be more accepting, compassionate towards others as well. Exactly. It goes both ways. Exactly. It's, it's again, it's just comes down to, I have, I have started using this phrase, which I think I'm going to really use for like where I'm taking my company, my course is conscious individualism. 
and like getting mm. to a point where we a lot of people you know i talk to my parents and they totally don't get it right they're very much on the side of like <laughs> you're selfish if you only pay attention to yourself and not pay attention to yourself but if you spend a lot of time doing work on yourself but my view is our society right now is sick it's like a forest where individual trees mm. are rotting are ill are not doing well that cannot form a healthy forest no. so we need to start going back to individual units ourselves clear our shit up and then we can show up authentically we can show up healthy mm. vibrant full of life full of joy living our desires our passions our dharma and bringing our authentic gifts to the world to share them with others and in that way create something which is going to be i think beyond anything we can even try to imagine at the moment and this is really to me shadow work is about conscious individualism with the knowing that this love within can be shared on the outside and this is what to me shadow work is all about this is your pluto the more you can embrace your shadow the more you can embrace mm, the world and the world embraces you fuck yeah and a hoe <laughs> yeah. mm. right and now just inviting it's not actually gonna be a guided guided or although you can you can definitely do this practice along with us now but it's something to take with you something that you can always remind yourself of and it shows how you know shadow work is not that secluded work that only happens in the therapist's office although important <laughs> uh, but how it truly is about feeling your feelings yeah yeah um and so just I'm going to try to do it as consciously as I can oh, to go through this loving process of embracing what is and being with what is. And if you can, and if it feels comfortable, to close your eyes and take a few deep breaths, just feeling that fresh quality of air enter your being, your heart. And just observe what is present. If there is any tension, any lingering experience that you haven't fully invited into the space, into your conscious awareness, Inviting in that which we are sometimes too afraid to look at and be with. And once we invite this experience into the space to be with us in this present moment, give it our full attention and loving awareness, we also invite this experience, this feeling, emotion, to reveal itself in our bodies. So where in your body do you feel it? 
how does this experience, this shadow, feel in your body? And we just want to observe it without creating any stories around it, without asking why is this happening, without trying to rationalize or intellectualize. There is space for that. But first, we just want to create a loving space for the expression of this shadow. So we're not trying to get rid of it or anything. We just want to become curious. We, once we feel it in our bodies and we let this energy come forward, we can even talk to it. And more than talk, we can listen, deeply listen and let it talk to us. How does the shadow feel? How does it want to move? How does it want to talk? And if we want to shift a perspective a little bit, we can also invite this shadow to paint itself in front of us in the room to take it out of the body and in front of us so that we are able to just observe it from a more objective, neutral perspective. And just breathe with it, breathe into it. Let it take over in a safe environment. Let this shadow reveal and play out in the safety that we have created for ourselves, within ourselves, where we are fully, committedly with ourselves, with what is. Just noticing the moment. Realizing that underneath every uncomfortable sensation, there always is this place of love and safety, presence that holds us all. Taking a deep breath into it, that anchor. And once we feel like we have given it enough expression and space, we can go into sourcing, which is becoming more curious about where this shadow is coming from. Again, not to get rid of it, but just to get to know it on a more intimate level. Asking ourselves, what was the first time that you came to visit 
When was the first time you felt this shadow? Going to the root of it, without judgment, with an open mind and an open heart. And once we feel like we have gotten closer to this shadow, we can even start asking ourselves honestly, how are these fears, these insecurities, these parts of ourselves that we feel ashamed of, that we want to get rid of, a part of us wants that, are they still serving us in any way? To see these shadows not as monsters trying to drag us down, but also see the other side of it. How are these shadows protecting you? How are they supporting certain subconscious beliefs that you might have? And then going even further into that exploration, are there parts of you that actually enjoy living with these shadows, living in the shadows? Are there parts of you that enjoy experiencing these fears and insecurities? Perhaps you get a sense of satisfaction and pleasure of feeling low and out of control and incapable of getting out of the low self-worth looks, wearing that cozy blanket of the victimhood. Are there parts of you that feel comfortable in these shadows and want to stay there? We are creating space in our nervous system to hold all of ourselves. Our fears and our desires, especially those desires that we have been thought to shame, that we were thought were bad. And then if you ask if the shadow, the experience, might be, for example, I am unlovable, I am unworthy, nobody loves me, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable. The reprogramming here starts also by asking the question, is it true? Is it, is it true what I keep telling myself? And not to gaslight ourselves, but first give it an experience and then go deeper into exploring. And also seeing of what else is there? 
what else is true? What is on the opposite end of that fear or insecurity? Can you feel the real need and desire that is accompanying this shadow? So often the medicine lies on the other end, turning the I am unlovable into, is it true? No, I am lovable. I am lovable. And in the world where we can find evidence for literally anything, how can you find evidence for that? The evidence for I am lovable. Name the evidence that confirms that. How can we honor these needs and desires in the most loving, compassionate, aligned way to embrace and expand on what we are able, capable, wanting to experience? And so often, the quickest way to shift our energy is to go into that which we fear, which we have a lot of resistance towards. And then seeing that actually, <laughs> it is where we truly, fully come alive. Beautiful. And this is such a simple, simple, loving process that we can always take ourselves through. From resistance to embrace. Love is the answer. And the love that lies in those shadows and holds the pain. So if huh, something came alive in you, as always, we are super happy to hear from you. And if you want to come and play more with us, especially in the topics of shadow, this is truly something I'm really passionate about. I have this program, this masterclass that I mentioned before, Sensual Shadow Play. Which I, where I like to say that we turn fears into kings <laughs> and wounds into strengths and insecurities into power, essentially pain into pleasure, recognize how they are one and the same. Um, you can always find me on Instagram and let me know that you want to go down that kinky road. <laughs> and for even more practical journey. There's also Alia who runs her own course. Yeah, we look, we start with the toxic patterns. Most of them you inherited from others that stem from trauma, that stem from feeling incomplete. And we turn them into patterns and habits and actions that are going to get you to where you want to be whatever that may mean for you. So 
We would both love to hear from you. What landed with you? What you took from this podcast? If you had any ahas, any new discoveries, if you learned something new about yourself, about the shadow. And we are so incredibly grateful to have you here listening to us in this podcast, especially if you're still here right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Getting deep, deep. <sighs> All right. Well, let's continue to play, shall we? Always and every day. Till next time. Till next time, beautiful <laughs> beings. Mm. Much love. Much love and darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.